You're as cold as ice. You're willing to sacrifice our love. All right, everyone. It's time for another episode of the Ice Cold Takes podcast. Rejoining me this week is Drew Way, and today we'll talk about the surge of the Rangers over the past six games, as well as Alexei Lafreniere's struggles recently. Thanks for coming back on, Drew. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me back on. Um, you know, same shit, different day, right? We're all busy, but hanging in there, doing well. And uh, yeah, looking forward to talking some Rangers. Yep, uh, I'm looking forward to this game tonight. So we're recording this Wednesday, <laughs> on Wednesday, right before Thanksgiving. The Rangers are playing the Islanders in whatever abbreviation, acronym you want to call UBS Arena. I saw some people coming up with some funny acronyms for, for that because it's no longer the barn. I heard like it's called the stable now or something like that. Oh, Jesus. Pretty funny. All I know is I saw a bunch of Islander fans pissing and moaning on Twitter being like, why won't the Rangers let the league cancel tonight's game? I'm like, you know, it has nothing to do with the Rangers, right? But go off, King. Um, but I actually have, tw- I just opened up Twitter because I feel like still any minute now, this game still might be postponed with how like half the Islanders are on the COVID list now. Are they actually, I have, I had no idea because I know the Senators had their thing and yeah. that's insane i'm being a bit hyperbolic saying half of them but i last i checked it was like seven or eight islanders are on like the covid list and so i'm actually pretty surprised they have not postponed this game yet wow okay so that's why i saw someone say we're playing the bridgeport sound tigers yeah yeah exactly cool (laughs) watch they still beat us i just know what's gonna happen you know like that's it was talk with uh, with uh, a few folks in this group chat. I mean, I think one uh, one of them is a hockey stat miner and another like Sam Stern, who are like two guys I talk with all the time. And they both were kind of joking like, yeah, like the Rangers have every reason to kill the Islanders in this game. So, you know, they're going to lose. Exactly. Exactly. That's that's what it is. That's what it is to be a New York Ranger, a fan of the, the New York Rangers when you should win, but you don't win. <laughs> and vice versa. Right. Right. Somehow, like. Like okay, so we'll get into our first topic. So like the the whole thing about like analytics, like you know the game against the Panthers, we got out shot attempted by like it was like ninety to thirty, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. When I saw that number, I was like, oh, that's the point of the the numbers. That's why they're so important because it's like the Rangers barely had the puck except for that second period where they scored like four goals in a row. And then, like, the Panthers pretty much dominated possession the entire game. 90 shot attempts to 30. That's insane. Yeah. And the point of, like, when people bring up analytics and stuff like that, like, most people aren't trying to be like, how dare you be happy we won? The analytics stunk. Like, that's not the point. The point is that, like, hey, when you're getting destroyed in both, like, the the shot share back, battle and the expected goal battle like it this isn't sustainable like you play this game if the rangers and the panthers played that style of game 10 times in a row like rangers probably lose nine of those games um i actually was in florida for that game i was at a my first work conference in like two years so i was at the the breakers resort in palm beach which is absolutely gorgeous and i ran into an actual panther fan there i have my mask that i have is a rangers mask that uh (laughs) you know props to Shayna goldman who um you know writes for the athletic and stuff she has her own little shop etsy shop 
where she does kind of like a sports team, like um, scrunchies and masks and stuff like that. And I got a Rangers one from her. It's fantastic. And I was wearing that. And one of the guys that works at the hotel was like, you watched that game last night? He's like, yeah, how the hell did the Rangers win? He's just like, <laughs> I have no idea. He's like, literally, it felt like if, if you watch the NFL, like I think it was last week where say, the 49ers opened up with like a 13 minute drive. Like that's how the game felt where it's just like Florida had the puck the entire time. I cannot believe mm-hmm. you pulled that one out. But, uh, but hey, two points in our column, but certainly not a sustainable way to go and win a bunch of games going forward playing that way. Right, yeah, and I think the, the good thing about that is literally right after the game, you know, Shesterkin, you could see that he was not pleased with that. Like, he let up two goals in the end within the last minute, and they made it close. And, you know, the coach, Gallant, was saying, like, yeah, we're happy with the win, but, you know, the way we played was not up to par. And, you know, so like, I like that response. I I think that under David Quinn, it probably would have been better. We'll take the two points and that's it. Well, that or under Elaine Vigneault, you probably would have had some dumbass comment about how, well, our goalie was better than theirs. So we won. And that's all that matters. It's like, okay, dude. (laughs) Yeah, no, no, it's good. Gallant seems to have a good you know hold on this team. And I I generally like what he he brings to the table for, for the most part this season. The players seem to love him. That's like the calling card of him was he was always a player's coach. Everyone who ever plays for him absolutely loves him. And you can see like just how much this team enjoys playing for him more than they ever enjoyed playing for Quinn. Yeah, there, there was a, there was like a Finnish article that came out with Paco. I don't know if you heard about that. Yeah. Paco came out and was saying some stuff and it was pretty much hinting towards david quinn well like, it, it was all stuff we all knew like everyone yes, who was critical yes. of quinn always said like you know it's pretty obvious that he's too disciplinarian on like the kids and he's the the way he was you know had his quinn bin and anytime he made a mistake he were like in the quinn bin like in quinn's mind it's like oh i'm teaching via you know uh what is it like negative reinforcement kind of like how some people train a dog or it's like the dog says does something bad you spray him with a water bottle and then they learn from fear of that but that's not the way mo and i should say like everyone learns differently and people right on course, twitter yes. and social media who make these comments like x is the only way to develop a train or something that's all idiotic some people do learn better through negative reinforcement nowadays most don't positive reinforcement has been proven to work way better than negative reinforcement with most younger folks. And that's what Gallant does. And that's kind of what Kako's quote was, was the fact that, you know, under Quinn, it was a fear of making a mistake because if you made that mistake, you were demoted or benched where with Gallant, it's the opposite where it's, Hey, I can play my game because if I make a mistake, it's not the end of the world, but if I do something good, I am rewarded for it. Right. So now now he's on his head. It's like, don't worry about screwing up. Just do do you go play the way that you you play. Right. So exactly. And that's the biggest thing you see in Cock right now. It's like he's always had the skill. He's, uh-huh. I mean, if anyone who watched him in his draft year or watched him on that Finnish team in like the, the world championships, I think it was in his draft year, like he's always had the skill to play against adults and stuff like that. It just the confidence wasn't there. And, and mm-hmm. it's every I mean, I feel like a lot of people can relate to the fact that, like if you're not confident in something like good luck performing to the best of your abilities and you watch the things he does now, the way he's cutting to the net, stick handling, using his body to protect the puck. Like he's so much more confident in his game right now. And that's the biggest difference. Right. Yeah. So like now when he has the puck, he's so decisive with what he wants to do. Like the devil, the gate, the, the goal where he stripped the puck off of graves mm-hmm. and then the goal, um, what's it called uh, against Buffalo. I was like, what the hell are you doing? Why are you cutting? Take the shot. Take the shot. And then he makes the deke around around the mm-hmm. Blackwood. 
and it makes it gets the goal and then like he cuts into the middle against buffalo and rips the shot a blocker side like just completely proved me wrong i'm like what what the hell are you doing and then he just goes and does that and he like makes the right play i'm like and that's the stuff he always did in finland that led to him being the clear you know a clear-cut top two pick is that you know obviously he's got like the skill and the size and all that but perhaps the calling card of his game was his ability to protect the puck in traffic and still, you know, puck handle and all that with it. And and he, he drew some like Yager comparisons in his draft year because not anyone was, no one was saying he was going to be the next Yager, but like when people think of Yager, they think of the way he used his big ass to protect the puck at all times, <laughs> shield off the defender while still being able to do what he wants with the puck. That's something that Kako was always able to do. And you saw that kind of go away from his game under Quinn and it's totally back now. Yeah, so I I like what I'm seeing. I think him playing on a line with Panarin is so exciting. Like just just oh, I think there's there's nothing better to have. I think that's the perfect line for him. Panarin, Strom, Kako. Say what you want about Strom. I mean, he's his, he's up. His contract's coming up this year, so they'll have to figure out what they want to do with that. Maybe get a replacement, second line center, or you know, with the way Heedle's been playing, he's just playing like great. He, the only thing with Heedle is just the he's not putting the puck in the net. But yeah, like he's all over the ice against Buffalo. Yeah, he's you know, Heedle's struggling a bit to finish, but I mean all the other, you know, underlying metrics when you're looking at his puck possession and his ability to generate chances and even his defensive game has been pretty good yeah. um you know Heedle's really you know re- really been impressive since he's coming back good, from that injury he's a great skater too like I really like how like he cuts out from the corners mm-hmm. uh, there's a couple of plays where um he was up along the boards and instead of like you know just starting the cycle he cut out himself and went towards the net and took a shot I don't think it, it didn't go in but like I don't even remember if it registered as a shot on goal but just seeing him like with the edge work with his skates, his skating ability is great. I, yeah. I like to see that. And I think that's a good point. Cause a lot of people, when they, when they're analyzing skating, and this is, I think like the biggest mistake I see when people are trying to analyze prospects or something is people think of skating and they only think of the top end speed. And that's a big mistake. Um, speed is just like a very small portion of overall skating. And, and what you just said there is a really you know good point on keto where, I mean, he does have speed. Don't get me wrong. He's probably the second or third fastest guy on the team, but his ability for at his size to be able to kind of stop on a dime, pivot and change directions and almost like the shiftiness that he has for someone yeah. his size is pretty remarkable. It makes him probably the best all around skater on the team. Yeah. I, I mean, you got to compare him to Adam Fox, but I mean, well, no. So when I say, I, I mean like his ability to skate, not like his, you know, when I say best all around skater, I don't mean best player. That's a skater. It's just like, yeah. you know, Fox is, uh, just his, I mean, Fox isn't the best skater. He isn't really that good of a skater at all. He can walk the blue line well, but he's pretty, he's just with Fox. It's just, he's the most, arguably the most intelligent player in the league. And so mm-hmm. what he lacks in foot speed and agility, he makes up for in positioning and his ability to read what's happening and react before the play actually happens. It's all those head fakes that he pulls off. Mm-hmm. Like, Oh, unbelievable. I laugh every time he makes a defender miss, like, and oh, it's yeah. just like, if anyone else is in the room with me, it's like, well, why are you laughing? I'm like, if you're paying attention to the game, you'll know why I'm laughing. Like he just made the defender look like, or, or the, uh, the four checker, sorry, uh, look like an idiot, like against the, the Montreal goal where he started it. Um, mm-hmm. Lafreniere ended up getting the goal, but like he set up the reverse to Lindgren the entire game. And then the one time he didn't, he cut out himself with the puck and carried it out of the zone and started the, the breakout. Which yeah, Fox, what makes him so amazing. 
Yeah, and and I know uh, if fit. See, Brandon Fitzpatrick's listening to this. He'll get a kick out of this comparison. But like, he reminds me a bit of Steph Curry in the way that he's not the most dominant physical freak on the ice or anything like Uh that, but he's just got like an intelligence to his game and like these little nuance, like fakes and and moves and stuff like that, that just, if you're not watching closely, it's easy to miss, but you can tell just like how easily he's able to get the defender to do what he wants them to do and then open up the lane for the pass or to skate Mm -hmm. up a little bit more to take the shot or whatever whatever it's it's remarkable his ability to manipulate the defense right yeah we last week i had um kyle hall from the broadway hat podcast on and mm-hmm. he went to some event that adam graves was at and so he was asking him about you know like adam fox compared to brian leach and graves was saying like you know Zoom off yeah like yeah. a lot of a lot of that stuff so like he's saying he's fox is like more unique in that he has multiple attributes from different players like Zubov. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've heard compared, like he's Pavel Datsuk as a defenseman. <laughs> I've heard that. <laughs> yeah. No, I, when I watch, I mean, I was, so I'm obviously a good amount older than you, but I was still young when the team had like Zubov and Leach and stuff like that. I was born in 88, but okay. like Zubov was my favorite player as a kid, as a young kid, you know, before I was old enough to really understand like why I liked him so much. He just, he always had this ability to kind of just, get wherever he wanted to do what he wanted on the ice that kind of like really stood out to like six, seven year old me. Uh, and that's what Fox does reminds me a lot more of what Zuboff did. Um, Cause what, what pe- like people are comparing him to Leach and that's really just looking at like the points, like they have very different style of game. People forget yeah. Leach was a completely dominant skater as well. Like Leach could yeah, he was low by people, you know, Fox can't do that, but more like Zuboff, it's just like his, he has to use his intelligence and his predictive abilities and you know his positioning to manipulate things and do whatever he wants. And he, he does remind, he's like Zuboff who's better in his own end. Mm. Yeah. And I mean, it was a shame. The Rangers gave up on Zuboff. Don't get me started. Okay. I've gone like once a month, I go on a rant on Twitter about how much I freaking oh, hated that trade. Man. Like, I, I mean, that was, that was well before my time, but like just seeing, just seeing that trade, it's just like, and like the, the well, production Mes- that he put up. Me- Messier had him traded. Messier was a prickly asshole who didn't like him. And Messier was oh, the one that had him that traded. Yeah. Happened? I had no idea. Yeah. Yeah. Messier. I, I'm, no I mean, there was a lot of things that went on. Supposedly he's got into some trouble with like the Russian mob in the city as well. And there's like a lot of rumors as to why Zuboff was moved, but the, Biggest thing that's like pretty well known is like Messier was the main voice that led to Zuboff getting traded. Unbelievable. You know, those 90s teams, they could have been like a dynasty. Like they had a mm-hmm. lot of young talent on there and then they sacrificed it for that one cup. Uh-huh. I mean, say what you want, but I mean, I, I'm sure like the fans, like the older fans back then that were had experience with the team since like the 60s or the 70s, they were just impatient. You know, 54 years goes a long way. I wonder if the Leafs will end up doing something like that. <laughs> no, that's a good question. We'll see. I, I, kind of similar because they have all this young talent on that team. Yep, yep. So what are you saying? That the Leafs are going to go and trade William Nylander for Brian Reeves? No, nah, what the Rangers did wasn't quite that bad. But they, they made some – the Amante trade and some of the trades they made oh, were terrible. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, they didn't age well at all. Mm-mm. Um, but yeah, so now this, this team right now I'll say is, you know, there was a lot of complaints about the Rangers and, and rightfully so with how they were winning in an unsustainable manner and getting killed each game, but just winning on the scoreboard because Shesterkin was standing on his head and they'd get a couple timely goals from, you know, Kreider and the likes of them. But, uh, 
I tell you what, they, they really started to come around and now they're actually playing well and still winning. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what this team can do, you know, after the holiday and throughout the remainder of the season. Yeah, I like the way they're playing right now. This, um, the way they've been playing. I mean, I wasn't expecting a big fight from Buffalo, but it ended up happening. And that second period was like one of the craziest periods I've ever seen. But I mean, the Rangers kind of held it together. They and then they settled down in the third period. Oh, Shesterkin um, was in goal in the third period. Yeah, Shesterkin made like a couple saves, and Georgiev made no saves at all uh, it's it, it's I, I like him i'm rooting for him and like kevin woodley is like um this uh, like hockey guru who writes for like ingle magazine and he's boys with steve aliquette and he's on like a lot of the tsn shows all the time he, he's about as smart as the guys you can possibly find if you want goalie analysis and he says like you know georgia's has all of the physical traits and like a few years ago he legitimately was really good and yeah. it's just like he's almost playing like he's lost his confidence and he's not tracking the that's, puck well at all like he I used noticed. to be good at tracking the puck and now like you see like whenever there's traffic in front of him he just loses the puck completely and it's like the puck will go in it's like he doesn't even react to it because he's not tracking and seeing well through traffic right now yeah i agree i think he looks i don't know what it is about him he just looks he looks off mm-hmm. like when he first came up 18 19 and then uh 19 20 those seasons he was pretty solid like he mm-hmm. was good good backup a solid goaltender and then i mean last year's the lockout shortened year and then uh, so far this year, it's been a struggle. I mean, he, he was able to get pull a couple saves together in that shootout against the Devils, which I'm, I'm thankful for because that was a great game. But, I mean, he's, he's definitely struggled. Uh, this may be a stupid question, but do, is there game score for goalies? Yeah, there is. So it's not nearly, it's not as complicated, as complex as like game score for skaters, but they do have it. Um, so you'll see that, like I tweet out like the top three, like Rangers and game score. After yeah, I see win. And to, for a goalie to make the top three, they really have to pretty much pitch a shutout or they have to like get completely shelled and still win. So like the game against Florida that we were talking about before, like uh, Shesterkin ended up in the top three in game score in that game, even though he let up a bunch of goals. And like the biggest negative in game score, if your goalie is letting in a goal, but he just was <laughs> saved so many more goals, like above expected. So he actually had a pretty good game score. And, and so with goalies, a lot of the game score is based off of like how many saves do you make compared to how many saves should you have made? And so mm-hmm. people like you hear about like expected goals a lot, you know, which is in essence, uh, you know, weighting the quality of the chance. So it's like if you're get a if you're on a breakaway and take a shot from the doorstep, like that's obviously going to be a very high expected goal, probably around like 0. 0.6, 0. 0.7, something like that. A one means a hundred percent chance to make the goal. A zero means zero percent chance. Um, and so like it, with goalies, like if they're constantly saving super high quality chances uh, and not letting in a lot of goals, they'll have like a higher um, goal save above average or goal save above expectation. With skaters, though, the way game score works, it's, it's pretty, it's a lot more straightforward in terms of like a, an average fan kind of understanding what it is, because it just takes a bunch of box score stats that everyone's familiar with, you know, goals, primary and, and secondary assists, blocks, penalties, face-offs, and then there is, you know, goals for when you're on the ice, goals against while you're on the ice, 
then this there is, is an expected for skaters. Yes, yes. And then okay. there is an expected goal point part as well. But it just takes those stats and just assigns weights to them. Obviously, scoring a goal has the highest weight. I think the lowest weight is uh, blocking a shot. But it's still like if you're blocking a bunch of shots, you will get positive impacts in your game score. So it just takes all those assigns weights to each one. And at the end of the day, you take all these box score stats, assign the weights to it, and boom, here's your game score. And obviously, no adv- no stat is perfect. But I, I find that this one most often kind of matches the eye test, so to speak. Um, and yeah, I actually just pulled up the Rangers like game score. So like based on how you've watched this team this year, who would you say is the number one Ranger in you know average game score? Mm. In essence, who's been the best player on the Rangers this year? Oh, maybe like I mean, Kreider's gotten a lot of goals, but those are power players. Don't, don't Galaxy branded. Who's been the best player on the Rangers this year? Fox. Yes. And Adam Fox is clearly number one in game score. He's got an average game score of 1.07, the only guy on the team over one. And then Kreider, who you mentioned because of his goals, and that's, he's number three. Strom's actually number two. Um, oh, actually? Yeah, yeah. And because Strom, um, to his credit, is he's when he's on the ice, they score about double the amount of goals than when he's off the ice. Oh, sorry. When he's on the ice, they score double amount as they let in. So like his goals for portion of game score is twice uh-huh. as high as his goals against. And so wow. that's like a big thing in his favor. Yeah. And like his you know, offensive numbers tend to outweigh his defensive numbers. His worst is he gets, if it wasn't for, he was abysmal at face-offs, he'd actually probably be fairly close to Fox because he sucks in face-offs. He oh yeah. Yeah. He's things pretty bad. bad. Yeah, he's um, bad so that's the top three. And then like, Panarin is four that makes total sense especially recent Panarin was like middling in the middle of the pack for a lot of the year but recently he's taken off and he's climbed the ranks Kako is another one where Kako was towards the bottom of the ranks in game score after the first like half of the season now he's sixth because of the absolute tear he's been on the last couple of weeks four game point streak and also I mean like he's been playing better too like Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely with the puck good passes and stuff yeah um, and then, uh, and uh, we were talking before about how Philip Heedle has looked really well, but isn't producing. He's in the top 10 in game score, because again, his, his offensive impacts are outweighing his defensive impacts. And, you know, uh, while he doesn't have a whole, whole lot of points, he, you know, his, the chances he's generating are really favoring in his column. And so he is, I think it was a three, six, he's seventh in game score on the team. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Yeah, so I mean, I guess I, I like that, the game score. I think that's a, that's a good representation and of what's happening. So, who, who would you say is the worst? Because again, this it works this way too. Does it factor in like how many games played? So like if so, I'm played- looking at average. I can you can okay. look at total, but right now I'm looking at average game score. So it's Probably. It, it's you know, Nemeth. Yes, Nemeth is by far <laughs> the worst. He's negative point five nine. <laughs> I, I would have guessed Tenorti because I I think Tenorti's way worse. So you know what, Tenorti hasn't. So I have a minimum seven games played on this. Exactly. That's why so I let, asked. Let me take this that out. Uh, reset filters. Uh, crap. Now I have to select the Rangers again because I just reset that filter. Oh man. Um, and if I 
Oh, no, it doesn't even let me. It's not even letting me do that. Uh, oh, yeah, here it goes. Yeah, so uh, when I take away that, Tenority second worst. Oh, Nemeth is still God. worse, but Tenority second worst with a oh. negative 0.46. Yeah, I, man, I don't, I think, I think, I think Tenority's got to, got to go. Oh, he's been horrible. Yeah. Like, and even over at the blue line was egregious. Oh my God. He was holding it like a loaf of bread and uh, Hinostroza just picked his pocket. And even when we signed him, everyone was like, this guy's just a face puncher. And he hasn't even been doing that. He's, 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 we definitely need another depth defenseman instead of him. Like, cause I'm okay with giving Niels Lundqvist games off here and there. You know, he's been doing better of late. Obviously he's a kid struggling a bit, still adapting to the game. Yeah. So give him a game off here and there. Let him watch the game. Heedle was talking the other day about how much he benefited from watching and studying the games that he couldn't play in when he's injured. And I'm sure Lundqvist feels the same way, but we just need someone better than Tenorti to sub in on those games where you want to give Lundqvist a breather. Am I wrong in saying Zach Jones has been killing it in the AHL? Yeah, no, he's been fantastic in the AHL. He's been one of the easily one of the best players on Hartford. Yeah, pretty soon. I, I think pretty soon we, we might need to call him up. Yeah, uh, the problem is if you call him up, you want him to get consistent playing time. Like you don't want to call up a kid to have him be your depth guy who sits some games, plays other games. Like you need it to be like what Lundquist is doing now, where you play most games, get a breather here and there. Uh, um, so that's why, like, uh, when, you, when you hear people say, you know, the Rangers might trade for a depth veteran defenseman, it, it's for this role where it's like, hey, they can play once a week and be fine, but do better than Tonorti, which isn't very Nets hard. It's on the three-year contract. Uh, yeah. I mean, I like the the idea of signing a Swedish defenseman that he's... No, that's Nemeth. Nemeth is three-year contract Swedish defenseman. Yeah. Yeah. Nemeth. Uh, I'm, I like that idea. But I mean, three mm-hmm. years from what I've seen so far is uh, rough. Yeah, I, I thought it, like I I didn't mind the Nemeth signing at the time because again, right. yeah, he's put neither. up good analytics in the past. That the AAV wasn't bad, so it's like okay, let's see where this can go. But like, why give him three years? And, and Drury did that with the number of guys like Goodrow. Like, why did he need six years? Like, like All I like guys got six years though. Like yeah. Dano, uh, Coleman. Yeah, but Dano is really good. Like you could yeah, Dano is Dano. yeah, and Coleman is a better version of Goudreau. Uh, I mean, again, Goudreau, like, I- I'm fine with getting that kind of player, even though I'm a big analytics person. I do admit uh-huh. that, like, yeah, no, the Rangers needed more of a mix of types of players. And you can see, you know, Goudreau kind of like in that Jesper Fast mold where he does yes. a lot of, like the grinding on the boards and stuff like that, which creates more space for your talented players out in front of the net in an open ice in the offensive zone. So that stuff is important, but you don't need to pay that guy. What is it? four million for six years or something like that like Almost, that's yeah, three, six, three, yeah. Six, yeah so it's you know yeah. that, that that's where i say it's like i'm totally cool with getting gujero types and i never want someone to think i'm just some like analytics nerd who doesn't value players like that it's just you don't need to overpay that guy like you can get that like fast fast is on a cheaper deal and i think everyone would much rather have jesper fast than barclay gujero on this contract right now yeah yeah i mean I, I I guess I I kind of agree. I mean, I like Goudreau. I think he could be a good player. I think oh, absolutely. Six, I think come playoff time, like around the trade deadline, the All Star break, that's when you know his value is really going to show. Totally agree. I just again, it's that contract. I love. The I player. don't like him in the top six at all. Oh, I don't no. like him in the top six at all. I I don't mind Hunt in the top six. Just because... I actually liked him on the on the first line with yeah. With, I mean, ideally, we'd have like a talented winger like Pavel Buchnevich or something to play on the top line right now. Lafreniere, maybe. <laughs> but um, 
like I don't mind Hunt played really well in that last game once he yeah, came yeah. in in that Buffalo game that line took off so I don't mind giving him a couple more shots if they want to move Gauthier up uh Gauthier up the line I don't mind doing that a bit um I don't mind just I don't mind playing around and seeing how things click and how things work I just I think we've seen enough of top line Goudreau to be like all right that's that's not clicking yeah yeah I mean Gallant j- did say that he had he's making some tweaks to the lineup to the lines um but we don't know i don't know what they were going to be uh, gotia had a quote uh colin stevenson had it where gotia made a joke like oh there might be some tweaks to lines today so people are thinking maybe he might be on the top line tonight which would be fine because i read that and then i think someone corrected him and said like oh what are you doing you made a typo and colin stevenson's like oh my god i can't believe it because you know uh, like how sam that. rosen sam rosen called uh gerard gallant like he mixed Gauthier and Gallant's name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, go. gotcha. Yeah. Um, I was hoping I, it would be Gauthier on the first well, line. I, I would mean. say, though, like, imagine being, like, an average-sized defenseman and having to deal with Kreider and Gauthier on the same line Ooh. against you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's just, like, like duck and cover. Like, yeah. man. Yeah, those like, – and Gauthier has, like, no fear when he when he skates. Like, uh, a couple – couple I think a game against Columbus, he, like, tried to split, like, two defenders just – by just going straight through them, literally just skating right up the middle. And he got through and drew a penalty. And then I yeah. think the Rangers scored on that power play. Uh, I don't yeah, remember. He's a, good, he's a good player. He needs to be more consistent still, but he definitely shows the flashes. So, I, I, you know, I, I like what I've seen this year in particular, and he seems to have cleaned up some of his bad habits from previous years. Mm-hmm. And I know when he was younger, he was kind of a dick in that, like, he was your typical cocky, like, um, you know, athlete where it's like, you know, best on his team all of his life and treated people like he was the best and yeah. other people. But from what I've heard, he's, he's grown up a good, and that's a lot why like he was always up and down with a lot of different coaches over the years regarding, cause like coaches couldn't, it's like, you know what kid, like go back down and learn your lesson sort of deal, but it seems to have grown up and he seems to have cleaned up some of the things and like the, he doesn't cheat as much in the defensive zone anymore. And so it's, he, he's doing some of the little things to allow coaches to trust him more. And then when he's got the puck in the offensive zone, like you can see him, really start to gain his confidence mm. what about a guy like Lafreniere who's been a bit inconsistent and struggling this year what do yeah you think? I mean so I would say that he's not struggling as much as like you'd think like he when you're looking at like his like his advanced stats and stuff like that he's generating tons of chances so like his expected goals for so like the scoring chances he's generating when he's on the ice are pretty high and among one of the better on the entire team but the problem is is those aren't converting the goals for, and sometimes, you know, there could be a reason for that. Sometimes it's just luck, you know, the bounce of the puck. He, he got robbed a couple of times. He hit a post once or twice, you know, you, you're off by, by an inch and it's not, you know, no goal in, instead of a goal. Um, so he is generating the chances. So like the, the process is there for him in the offensive zone and he just needs to, you know, the puck just needs to start going in for him a little bit more. Um, and, and defensively he's, he's certainly, and he's still a kid. And so he's got a lot to learn there. Um, but I actually think, you know, certainly we want to see him filling up that net more, but mm-hmm. he, he's been better than most have given him credit for. And that line with him, Heedle, and, and Gauthier has been really impressive. Yeah, when I they're really on like the it. ice, the ice is tilted in their direction. They're dominating possession. They're just, the puck's just not quite going in for them now, but I think it will if they continue playing in the manner in which they are. I see, like, I like that line. I see Heedle with the puck a lot, Gauthier with the puck a lot. I want to see Lafreniere have the puck a lot more. Like, yeah. I want to see him handle it more because I feel like he's dumping it in too much. Maybe, maybe he's got some 
like the after effects of David Quinn telling him to dump the puck. Well, that Gallant, Gallant stress is kind of dump and chase too. You have, you will notice that like this Rangers team still does a lot of dump and chase because that's something Gallant wants, you know, get pucks in deep and then cycle and this and that. Um, and that is very different than what Lafreniere played, you know, for most of his life growing up. And it, it's clear, you know, he's not playing with quite the confidence he used to it. And there's certainly things he needs to improve on and things perhaps the coaches can do better to better support him and prop him up and stuff like that. But it's, I, I'm not worried. It's all my point. It's, it's like, he's, he's playing pretty well. The process is there. Um, he, he's playing well more than he's playing poorly. Um, and it's, you know, I, I think it's just, give it a little bit more time and it'll come around similar to what we're seeing with Kako right now. And when you compare him to some of the other people, like remember last year, like t- everyone was all like riding the jock of Tim Stutzla. Like when you look at the analytics, Lafreniere is now blowing Stutzla out of the water. Like it's, Oh, is he, is he actually, he's yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's again, it's just, just because someone pots a couple of lucky goals doesn't mean, Oh, we should have taken him over Lafreniere. And that's the other thing I get a kick out of too is, all this revisionist history of like, you know, like Lucas Raymond, who I, I loved Lucas Raymond in his draft. Oh, yeah. I, I, had him, I had him ranked third. I had went Lafreniere one, Byfield two, Raymond three. And I was big on the, you know, I was banging the table saying, like, I'm taking Raymond over Stutzla any day of the week. And, you know, Raymond's lighting it up and stuff right now. And some people are like, oh, we should have taken him. Like, no, you, you can't. When it comes to the draft, you can't use revisionist history of that. You have to say, what did we know at the time? And literally everybody, yes. Yes. everybody. But he had Lafreniere one. Lafreniere was one in that draft class since he was 13 years old. It was always him and Byfield, and they did nothing yes. to change that narrative. And if things change since then, you blame the Rangers for development. You don't blame the the front office for the pick they made. I get what you're saying. Yes, I understand. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So, I mean, can you make the same argument for like a guy like Yakupov? So Yakupov was poorly developed but also was a bad pick so even at the time a lot of people didn't think he should have been number one mm. um Yakupov, um i actually spoke i don't want to get too too much into this but I, I spoke to someone let's just say who's very very in the know about russian prospects um and about nhl teams the past uh, recently about kratsov and kind of what went on there and you know where is kratsov to blame where's the re- Rangers to blame. And one of the things he brought up to me about, you know, and one of the areas that Kratsov is to blame is that Kratsov is from a rich Russian family and was kind of coddled his whole life. And he was all, you know, all NHL players were the best their whole lives growing up. So that's, but, um, you know, Kratsov apparently like most of his life was very coddled and you know how people say like he has like that well if he doesn't get his way he takes his ball and goes home that's a lot because of like just the way he was brought up and stuff okay yeah and the reason i I bring this up is because yakupov is from a very similar upbringing where he's from a wealthy russian family where he never had to deal with any sort of adversity in his life and the second he finally did deal with some adversity things kind of crumbled but on top of that again i'm not going to sit here and be one of those people that only blames kratsov or only blames yakupov I mean, go look at that Oilers situation <laughs> of the team that Yakupov was on at the time. Like that team, that organization is a fucking mess. Yeah. And so like, yes, Yakupov could have dealt with things better. Yes, Kratsov could have dealt with some things better. But to only blame them is just being a bootlicker. Right. There we go. Bootlicker. Yeah. There's the word. The, your ice cold takes word of the day. Bootlicker. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Don't only blame the player. Yeah, it's always, there's always, you know, what's the old adage? There's 
my story, there's your story, and there's true story, which is somewhere in the middle. And that's almost always the case. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree with that. Like, I feel bad for, for Kravtsov because I, I mean, I like the, I like the player. Like I like the pick. I like the story that, you know, no one wanted him when the Rangers drafted him. And then in his first, in the D plus one year, everyone wanted Wallstrom, right? Everyone was hyped about Wallstrom and he showed him up Kravtsov in his draft plus one year, like Wallstrom, you couldn't find anywhere. And then Kravtsov was literally torching the KHL. Yep. I wanted that, that success. Like I mm-hmm. wanted him to be like the underrated one. I mean, yeah. unfortunately the, you know, what happened happened. I mean, and, and again, it's, he certainly deserves some blame. And so I'm not going to sit here and be that guy that says, you know, the Rangers deserve all the blame. Like I know a lot more about what went on behind the scenes than most. And I can, I can promise you that Kratzoff definitely deserves, or at least maybe if it's not just him, but him and the, his circle of people around him certainly deserve part of the blame, but the Rangers sure shit didn't help themselves. No, oh, yeah. And they knew what they were getting into. And the fact that they still tried to treat him like any other prospect and not, you know, the, 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 the Rangers, Jeff Gorton's era, like the biggest issue I've heard with Jeff Gorton is he treats people like assets, not like people. And mm. you know, I'm in a position at work, like I'm a manager at work. I've had to read a lot of like management stuff, leadership stuff, literally any fucking person who knows what they're talking about in terms of being a manager or a leader or something like that knows like you can't treat everyone the same as much as it sounds nice to be like, Oh, treat everyone. The same. No, no, that's bullshit. You have to treat everyone like individuals understand that different people respond to different things in different uh-huh. ways. And you have to adapt to that. And Gorton just thought he could treat everyone like an asset instead of a human being. And that is at the heart of a lot of the issues that you've seen with Nils Lundqvist and, and the Nils Lundqvist, uh, not Nils Lundqvist, sorry. Um, Leas uh, Anderson. Yeah. And that story is, is pretty terrible. Um, yeah. And then Kratzoff and, and some of that stuff. It's, it's they ch- just try treating him. Well, nope, this is our way. So this is what we're going to do. And it's like, no, like these are human beings. This issue, this is an issue for them. You can't just ignore it and treat them like you would treat any other person. Well, I mean, if it got, if it got to guys like Kako and Lafreniere, the rebuild would be screwed pretty much. Like, you know, like where it got to that level where an Anderson level of, mm-hmm. you know, performance and stuff like that, off ice incidents uh, and whatnot. I mean, I guess what you're saying is like Gordon was better at the business side of things. You know, obviously he made a lot of fleece deals. He's a good GM. Yeah. I, I like on I, the personal side, like yes. with his individuals is, I mean, that's where he struggled, I guess you could say. Yeah, yeah, uh, exactly. Um, again, I, I heard this same thing from numerous people who are either in the organization or with billet families or like people close to the players and stuff. And it's like Gordon, like, doesn't know how to treat people like humans. Like he treats everyone like an asset or like a name on a piece of paper. Uh, and John Davidson, while we all love him because he was our goalie and the announcer right. and stuff, he's your typical old school hockey man who kind of is just like, well, rub some dirt on it and get back out there. <laughs> um, and like, while he does value some things like analytics and stuff like that more than like kind of your typical old school hockey man, the way that he treats people and think people should act and stuff like that very much is the same. And it's, they struggle to connect with a lot of the, the younger players nowadays especially younger european people who come up in a very different culture than the the only thing that matters is the crest on the front culture of canada and the u.s when it comes to hockey yeah i see what you're i see what you're saying yeah yeah um i had 
urinating tree on a couple of weeks ago. And he just made a video about like the, the culture problem of, of hockey. And he's mm-hmm. saying, he calls those people, the boys club. So like, mm-hmm. I guess Davidson would be a member of the boys. Absolutely. Like he's not nearly as bad as, as like, you know, your um, Joe Quinville's or Mike Babcock's or stuff like that. But he's, he certainly has a lot of, you know, he shares a lot of similarities with that old boys club. Yeah, I get, yeah, I get what you're saying. I mean, and then, you know, I'm just, I'm happy with like the way the team, the, what the Rangers have right now is bonding, like on the ice, yeah. off the ice, like, and that and, whole thing is important. And that is a huge testament to Gerard Gallant. And that's one of the things that if you listen to any Vegas reporter or, or any Florida reporter or something like that, players always love him. He's great at building a culture. The reason he was let go in both of the previous spots is because he's, um, a stubborn, a- stubborn asshole who isn't afraid to tell his boss to fuck off. <laughs> and so right. in Florida and in Vegas, he got himself into some trouble where he, he speaks his mind. He says he, he's very stubborn, hard-headed. This is what I want. This is what I need. And if he doesn't get it, he doesn't necessarily – he doesn't know how to upmanage very well, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And, and that's why, like, people point to, well, why was he fired so quickly in Florida and Vegas? He's, he's a bad upmanager. He – but he's a fantastic down manager. He's a fantastic, he's fantastic for your culture. He's a, he's a good X's and O guy, but above all, he's a great motivator, a great personnel manager and great at building that culture, building that team family, like familial atmosphere with the team. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm like, I'm like trying to, I'm hearing what you're saying about, about like how he was not a good up manager. Like you tell people to, to fuck off or whatever the I boss mean, is. To fuck I'm off. being flippant saying that, like, I don't know if he ever actually told like <laughs> one of his bosses to fuck off, but you, you know what I mean? I could, I could see yeah. it though. And like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you could kind of see some qualities like in his, in his press conferences, like the way he answers questions. That's, that's a, that's an interesting thing. Like, cause you know, all of our coaches, you could see how they were with the with like as a person just by how they answered the media. Like Torts was always fooling around or like telling Brooks to fuck off. He was um, AV was I don't even know with his like the chewing gum or whatever. Uh, David Quinn, uh, I, Quinn I was a good guy, and the reason why you you had very few media folks calling for his head is because <clears throat> Quinn is a very nice person. Yeah. And so he's great to deal with. He was good with the media. He was very understanding of the fact that the media is like the, the still to this day, like the insight for a lot of fans and stuff like that. Um, and so Quinn's a very personal guy and stuff like that. So that's why you saw very few media folks be like, Oh, like get rid of him, something like that. But he's a bad, he's poor with connecting with kids and a bad kind of personnel. And he believed in, like I said before, the, the negative reinforcement over the positive and, you know, good luck with most 20 year olds taking that approach. Right. Yeah. And I mean, so far, all of our youngins are, are flourishing, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got to get Nils Lundqvist on there. We have to we have to get yeah, I mean, he will. Year, he'll get he'll get there first year. I think this is his first time in North America, right? It is. And, and that's the thing that I, I, I'm glad you brought that up, because, again, people like me who are big into analytics and stuff, I feel like sometimes really ignore the fact that like the how much the human element matters. And like not only is this kid. 20, 21 years old, um, not only is he adjusting to new ice, but he's adjusting to whole new culture. Like if, if you do any sort of research into what it's like to live in Sweden compared to what it's like to live in not just the US, but New York, like the guy is 
adjusting his everything about his life has been uprooted and changed and all the stuff happening outside of the ring mm. matters and it's just so much i mean i wouldn't never been able to do it at that age so i'm not about to criticize him and, and again like obviously i thought he'd be a little bit better than this just because of how absolutely dominant he was in the yeah. shl yeah. but he's he's starting to come along better and hey nemeth sucks and he's been anchored to nemeth this whole time and it's I'd love to see what he would look like if he would shake the lines up a little bit and put him with like a, like a Keandre Miller or something just to see like how that would you know work out for a bit. You know what's going to end up happening? It's got to be like one defenseman goes off and like, you know, they're caught in a change or whatever. And then mm-hmm. one, the other defenseman like Miller comes on or something and Nils is stuck out there. And, you know, if that ends up working, that's when you have to pray, like, please work, please work, please, please mm-hmm. something good, do something good. So he thinks about, putting these two together and took Alon's credit again he, he's shown a lot of patience with Lundqvist um he's not just you know Quinn Lundqvist wouldn't be playing right now oh, line, yeah, that yeah, last yeah, line would yeah. be Nemeth and Hayek or some shit like that oh. if this was Quinn <laughs> um but Gallant understands that you learn through the reps you learn from making mistakes and that's one thing that you know I stress all the time with like my colleagues and stuff at work you know I, is you know it, it, some of the people younger than me that are in a little bit of a managerial role like I try to stress to them that you have to adapt to how the individual learns. You can't force them to adapt to you as a manager. And you have to understand that making mistakes is a huge learning mechanism. And, and you can't just learn just by only doing it the right. Like you have to let people make their own mistakes and learn from that. Yeah. I, I mean, I, from what I see from Lundquist, um, I see, I always see him like trying to make the breakout pass, even when it's not there. It's, yeah, he's it's forcing him, he, it a little too much. He forces it, but like he keeps trying. Mm-hmm. He refuses to to dump it in. And I mean, I mean, that's the, SH, that's the SHL style. That's the Swedish style. Is okay. Play with possession okay. and transition with position with possession, as opposed to you know North American style. It's much it, more dump and chase and stuff like that. I'd rather see the way he plays because I want to see how he plays, like how yeah. he himself is. As and a and that's part and of the big. And that's why you're seeing this adjustment here is that transitioning with possession is easier on the wider rink and the bigger ice sheet. Uh, and so he's, you're seeing him adjust to not just the shorter, you know, the smaller rink, um, but faster players. And, and, but once he makes, he's a very, very smart player. In fact, like I actually relate him to Adam Fox a lot in terms of his style and his cerebral style and his ability with the puck on a stick and his patience. Once he kind of figures that out, you're going to see him take off. Yeah. And I mean, I, I like what I see from him in the offensive zone. Like, um, he, he, he's very, I don't even know how to cheeky, I guess you could say, like, he looks for, <laughs> he looks for, he looks for like the thing that no one else is looking for. And I think that's very typical of a Swedish player. They always do that, that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And it, they're, I don't know, their IQ is just, they think of things that yeah. you know, no other like North American player would. It's a and more that, cerebral style game for sure. Yeah. yeah. Kind of like what you were saying. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, is there anything else you want to add on before we wrap it up? I oh, mean, not really. I mean, I would just say like, you know, I appreciate the conversation. I, I would just offer some encouragement to fans and that like, you know, the team, you know, the Rangers, they banked a lot of points, which is important, but they're actually starting to play a lot better now. I'm actually, I just pulled up on my other screen here, this um, kind of like rolling expected goals differential chart, which in essence, it's, it's showing you how the team has performed over time and sort of, the chances they're generating versus the chances against they started off the season decently then tanked obviously halfway through and everyone saw that we were getting killed but pulling these games out but now it's calgary 
exactly. But now it's sharply going up again. And it's, and so now they're kind of, they're figuring it out. They're figuring out Gallant's system. They're figuring out how to play with one another. The kids are coming along. And I, I'm honestly, I'm pretty optimistic about what this team might be able to do if they can stay healthy, knock on wood, uh, for the rest of this season. Yeah, I agree. I mean, uh, unfortunate Sammy Blay had to, had to, you know, get the ACL mm-hmm. tear. Um, thanks, uh, PK Sluban. Um, yeah. <laughs> Now, now that was unfortunate. And it's, you know, unfortunately too, it's, you know, losing Blay in a vacuum, like it stinks. You feel bad for Blay, but like in a vacuum losing Blay, it's not the end of the world. Like he lost yeah, a middle six guy who's fun and does some things, but it's not like you lose, you know, Zavanajad or something, but because our issue is already wing depth and then you lose another winger, like that's where it really hurts. But Hey, yeah. you know what? Maybe some of the kids can step up. Maybe we'll see like a Morgan Barron or something like that come up this year. Um, Hopefully Lafreniere takes another step forward. And again, I, I'm confident and, you know, we'll see if the team makes a move at the, at the deadline. Yeah. I, I, I think it's too early to tell about the, the deadline thing, but I mean, you, you could see it happening if they if they continue this play, I mean, mm-hmm. uh, right now we're in what third place in the overly competitive Metro division. Yeah. yeah the division's crazy. Yeah. Nuts this year. I think now it's like, now they're starting to like drop a little, like the Islanders have lost some games. So they're now under 500, but there was a time where like every single team was at 500 or better. Mm-hmm. No other team, no other division like that in the, in the league, which is, which is nuts. I haven't seen something like that. No. I mean, but- so like the Rangers are doing it. They're, they're, they're playing well. And I think I saw stat miner was saying like their, their uh, quality of competition is just like, it's, it's been very strong. Yeah. Very strong. Very strong. Like we played yeah. Edmonton, Calgary twice, played Florida already. Um, like those, and we haven't even touched like Tampa or, mm-hmm. or like we played Washington once we haven't even, we're supposed to play them. What? Three more times, Washington. I think Maybe? so. Yeah. Something like that. But like, we've we've had a pretty rough schedule so far um and then i think like the last thing i'll say is like i think the season you could kind of divide it up into two two teams pretty much like the three games that separate it for me the edmonton calgary uh florida games like those games like after the florida games the rangers have been absolutely fantastic winning games playing well in those games and then in the first half they were winning games which is great but their play did not live up to like, you know, what they, what, like this kind of level of play, like what they're doing right now. Yep. Absolutely. And Hey, and above all else too, like, you know what, the reason we all like hockey is it's the entertainment product and this team's been fun. Even when they've been bad, they've at least been fun. And so like above all else, like I'm just enjoying it. So yeah, go Rangers and let's hope that uh, they can, you know, continue the, the good play they've we've seen the last few games. All right. Yeah. Let's go Rangers. Thanks everyone for tuning in. Stay tuned for more New York Rangers info by visiting boysandblue94.com and our Instagram at theboysandblue94. See you all next time. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay.